You are the risen king. Death could not hold you down. It could not stop you. And by your grace and your mercy, you've come to Egypt. You have come into the world and to save us and to deliver us from the bondage that we could not set ourselves free from. And you have conquered the greatest enemy of mankind itself, which is death. Now, Father, we pray in this moment that you would come by the power of your spirit and that you will touch me, my tongue, fill me up, with the cares, with the gift, to communicate your eternal truths. I cannot do it in my own strength. If it was up to me, I wouldn't even be up here. But it's not about me. It's about your glory and for your glory. We thank you now. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Oh, well, see what's got going on here. Let me make sure. Amen, amen. Want to make sure I got this recorded. Last couple times I've hit the wrong button, so getting close to our new building, and so Hopefully, by the grace of God, we won't have to deal with much of this right now. But anyway, let's stand to our feet and just press through it. Um, Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. Here we go. It says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function. But in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. Christianity is living life, my brothers and sisters. True Christianity, biblical Christianity, is living life as God has intended it when he created us in his image and in his likeness. Here at Urban Hope, we call this life the promised land, the promised land of freedom. We read it every Sunday, the Zoe life. Because the promised land here, as we say, out of Egypt to the promised land is where we as Christians, as believers in Christ, that we live our lives in view of Romans 12, 1 and 2 of God's manifold mercies because of what God has done to come to Egypt or the world coming into this world, which was not his home. He came into this world to deliver us from the kingdom of Pharaoh. Satan, the domain of the prince of darkness. The promised land is for the children of God. Subtitle this message, God's message to the children of God. The promised land is for the children of God who now seek to live by faith in pleasing God with the remainder of our lives. Some of us got saved early on. Some of us got saved in our mid-20s. Some of us got saved later on. But whenever that trans um, thing happens in your life where you meet Christ, the word of God say, now you should live the remaining of your life in pleasing God, living for his glory. But what do we mean to, when we say to live by faith in pleasing God? What do we mean by that? And this is my first slide, keynote. It says, Hebrews eleven six. Now, without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible. When the word of God says something is impossible, it is impossible. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Those who seek to please God, we know that without faith it is impossible. The Westminster Catechism answers this question in my second slide. What is faith? Teach your children this in Jesus Christ. What do we mean by that? What is faith in Jesus Christ? Well, faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon 
We put our confidence, we put on all in all, and I rest upon him alone for salvation. For salvation is found no other place but in the man Christ Jesus, the word of God says. So we rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in this great gospel that we're getting from the book of Romans. As he's offered to us in the gospel. Question 86 says this faith in Christ Jesus is that we rest, meaning we put our confidence, our faith in him. And we look to him as he, as he is offered to us in the gospel. Famous theologian who's now dead, R.C. Sproul, he says this in a practical sense concerning faith, that biblical faith is not a leap into the darkness. It's not biblical faith. It is not a leap into the darkness. But on the basis of the testimony of eyewitnesses who report in Scripture about what they saw. And we talk those the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. About what they saw and heard. From this one called Jesus of Nazareth. Well, Hebrews 11, one says that now faith, that it is the substance of things hoped for. Here's the key word. The evidence of things not seen. This is what faith is, as the writer of Hebrews defines it, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. My brothers and sisters, you may ask, Pastor Hardy, what's the evidence? Third slide. Here we go. Well, what's the evidence, Pastor Hardy? Well, Hebrews answers that for you. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Where Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the universe that you and I live in, that we inhabit, that it was created by what? Say it. By what? By the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. So the evidence is the word of God. Faith is trusting God at his word. The evidence is his word. We grow as a disciple when we trust God at his word more and more. Because God cannot lie. His word is eternal. And his word is bond. God said, you can when you shake my hand, you take my word. It is good as gold. It is bond. God cannot lie. So when you read his word, you read his promises. It's the evidence. And we know. that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence, the evidence of God's word. It's his word. We're in our text today. Paul. In verse three, Paul is writing with his apostleship with great authority flowing out from verse one and two. We've spoken on four times from chapter Romans 12, one and two. And Paul is flowing out of that thought as an apostle 
He directs in chapter verse three, you can put it back up there. And he directs this to everyone, to every believer, he says, among you. Look at what he says. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, among you, the church in Rome, among you, Christian church universally, among you, among you, Paul, by authority of an apostle, he said the grace that was given to him to make him an apostle, the gift of God to him, he says, among you and to every believer. This means every born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit person. Paul says, I want you not to think of yourself more highly than you should, but to think sensibly, which means having sound judgment about yourself. Should think with rationality about yourself. Why, Paul says, because God has distributed by his grace a measure of faith to each one gifts. If you are born again, regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, God has distributed in you a gift or gifts more than one, some of you. Paul says, by the authority of apostleship, I write to all y'all, everyone, he says in verse 3, you got to see yourself in the text of you are a professing believer. You have, Paul is telling you not to think of himself or herself more highly than he should think, but instead think sensibly, meaning having sound judgment. Why? Because God has distributed by his grace a measure of faith to each one, a gift. And we see in verse 6, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. So some of you, because I'm not going to go in further with verse 3 today. I am going to deal with the different gifts that Paul mentions here in chapter 12, I mean, from the rest of the text and also in 1 Corinthians, when you see the different gifts. I'm going to address that on next week. But for today, I only want to drill down to us that each of us as genuine Christians, that we all, that God has distributed to us a gift. I want to get into prophecy, leading, service. I will next week. But for today, I just really want you to get one thing that God has distributed to you and I. A gift according to the grace, which is the Greek word that Paul uses here is charis, where you hear the charismatics around here, the same term, but it's the Greek word charis, which the word is basically means, which is giving freely, freely of God. You don't work for it. It's a free gift. You don't go to school for it. You don't work hard for it. It's a gift. Got to hear that. It's a gift. God gives this gift to us, his children. And Paul says, 
is given freely to us of God, which we operate in by faith. So here again, I say all believers have a gift. Distributed to us, as the text says, with a measure of faith. But not all believers operate in those gifts rightly or with sound judgment or soberly mindedness and with the measure of faith that they've been given it. And so the question that we've been asking in this sermon as we've been brought out of Egypt now to the promised land, Romans 12, 1, 2, in view of God's mercies, manifold mercies, how should we live in the promised land with these gifts that God has distributed to us? Well, Paul says, you should have and live with these gifts with the understanding which Paul says from the outset that he is what he is by the grace given to him. See that in verse three. Go back to verse three. Paul says, for by the grace given to me here, chairs, by this grace given to me, Paul says, I am apostle by the grace of God. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't go to Auburn or Alabama for it or the school of Jerusalem University, a Greek school or university. Paul says, I am an apostle by the grace given to me. So he wants us to be grounded in this grace. Paul wants us to be grounded in this grace. And this is very important to understand as Christians, because if you don't understand the grace, Paul says, Paul's exhortation is, then we will sometimes we begin to think too high of ourselves or we will think too small of ourselves by self-loathing or taking on a perpetual victim mindset. I have here in my notes, which meaning being double-minded all the time and therefore unstable in all of your ways, which is pride on the other side. Victimology, perpetual victim mindset is just as much as pride of going around saying, I can do everything. Both coming from pride. And what did James tell us? 4, 6, that God opposes the who? The proud. But he gives grace to who? The humble. So Paul says, we are what we are by the grace of God. So if we think too highly and we lose sight of God's grace and we think too lowly, we lose sight of God's grace on both sides. Paul says, think with a sober mind because grace is all of God. We are all saved by grace. It is a gift. It is not yourselves where you can boast. You can run up here and say, I'm saved and you're not. Why? Because I was better than you. I prayed more than you. I fasted more than you. I didn't sin. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't never sin. I never lie. Well, we know that's not true. We are saved by grace. All of what we are is of grace. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. All of what you are is by the grace of God. 
And so therefore, Paul exhorts all believers not to think with an overly exaggerated ego, self-esteem. Can't do that. But though we do it all the time. Paul says, you are what you are by the grace of God. Do not have an overly exaggerated ego and self-esteem about yourself. It's okay to think that I can be what I am by the grace of God and be confident in that. But Paul is saying here, because in the days of Rome, humility was, in kind of, was not a virtue in the Greek or Roman world. In fact, it was seen as a weakness to say that you were humble, exhilarating, I mean, um, exhibiting humility in any way. So Paul is telling the Christians who have been brought out of the world, don't go around thinking with an overly exaggerated ego. But be sober-minded. In a practical sense, Paul is telling the Christians in Rome who are now the church body and the community of faith, not to be envious of others' gifts, distributed to them with a measure of faith in the local church community, not to self-exalt ourselves, exalting ourselves above all other gifts that God has distributed in the body. We are body. And Paul is using the analogy of a, of a human body. I can't do what I need to do without my hand. I can't do what I need to do without my feet. I can't do what I need to do without my legs. I'm a whole body. One can't function without the other. And Paul is saying, don't be envious of your hand. Some of you are the other hand. Don't be envious of the one with the mouth. Don't be envious of the one with the, with, the, with, 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 the, uh, with the calves or whatever it is. Paul says, don't be envious. Don't, don't exalt yourself. Don't get in an overly exaggerated ego. Everything we are is of grace, Paul says. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't be envious of the other gifts that you see with someone else that God, by his grace, has distributed within the body. All you have to do is turn on the TV every week and you will see this overly exaggerated pride of gifts playing out every single day in the Christian world. I'm going to name a few names here. These men had gifts given to them by God. Robbie Zachariah, he's fresh in the news, had the gift to communicate. No one would, would, would doubt that. But when others in the body tried to correct him, he used his gift to suppress the, the, um, the um, assessment that others were bringing towards him. Same thing with Bill Hybels. And you see this all the time with worship leaders and singers in the church. Their gifts it's a gift. It's a difference between singing and having a gift to lead people in worship. 
Those are two different things. I'm going to get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. But there's a gift to lead God's people in worship that has nothing to do with a great voice. But though you, I would add you need a voice to be able to sing, but worship and leading God's people is a gift. And you've seen that people, when they get out of whack with these gifts and they begin to exalt themselves, we see how damaging it can be. But God's intent is that we have many parts, all of us functioning as one body with each operating in faith with his or her gift. That's God's intentionality for the church, that each of us will be functioning with our gift within the body of Christ and operating in that gift with faith. That's God's intentionality. Which Apostle Paul therefore exhorts us to do, he says, with these gifts, he says, that you and I should not think with an overly exaggerated ego, but we should think with sound judgment, sober-mindedness, because God has distributed a measure of faith to all believers in the church, distributed us a gift that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to make a couple points here. Talents and spiritual gifts are not the same. Talents and spiritual gifts are not the same. Talent is the result of genetics and or training. That's where your school come in. Training for something. Talent is that. While a spiritual gift is the result of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. That Romans 8 we saw the Holy Spirit comes in that now distinguish us as the children of God over and against those of the children of the devil. When the Spirit of God comes in you, he brings gifts to you. Talents, genetics, training. Dion was trained to be an accountant. Some of y'all have been trained to do other things. Alice has been trained to be a PA, to understand the skin disease and stuff like that. Those are talents. But Paul says that God has distributed to us spiritual gifts that comes only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I hear a hammer in my nose, but both non-Christians and Christians both have certain talents. But spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit only exist within those where the Holy Spirit takes up residence and they are therefore new creations and the old man or the old woman has passed away and you are therefore a new creation. We both have talents and gifts if you're a Christian. 
But people that are non-Christian have talents. But spiritual gifts, they have to be born again. And God, therefore, because he's sovereign, he uses both talents and spiritual gifts for his glory as we seek to build up the body of Christ. Now, why is this so important? So, don't put the slide up yet, Job. We say leading people out of Egypt to the promised land of freedom. And what I want to show you how this, worked out, how this works out practically. These gifts, spiritual gifts versus talents. And God comes to save us and to bring us out of Egypt and to bring us into the promised land where we live empowered by the Holy Spirit, these spiritual gifts. And so this brings me to my next slide in reference to how this works out. Well, the people of God were in Egypt for a long time. They were under the bondage. If you read the first chapter, it says that all they did was make straw and brick for Pharaoh for all of those years. But now God has come. He's delivered them out of Egypt. And remember, God had told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that my people may do what? Worship is glorifying God in all of life, living life according to God's intentionality. We call it the promised land. That was why God said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may go to the land of Canaan so they can worship me. But here, as the people are out from Egypt now, look, notice the language of God and notice the power of the Holy Spirit. Here you go. Have your brother Aaron, God says, with his sons come to you from the Israelites to serve me as priests. We're all kingdom of priests. We're kingdom of priests. We've been called out to serve God. His sons, Nadab and Abihu, and Eleazar and Ithmar, make holy garments for your brother Aaron for glory and beauty. You are to instruct those whom I've called out of Egypt, called out of the world, I've placed my spirit in them. And God says, you are to instruct all the skill artisans in whom, here's the catch, in whom, in whom, what does it say? In whom he's done what? Feel. With what? Feel with the Holy Ghost. Baptist style. Not talents, not work in school in whom I have filled with spirit of wisdom to make Aaron's garments for consecrating him to serve me as priest. Exodus 31. God says, the Lord also spoke to Moses again. Look, I have appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, and of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled <laughs> with the God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity. I have filled them with wisdom. 
understanding and ability in every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones, for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every craft. God said, I have filled them with my spirit. And I have given to each one of you a gift, a curse. I have also selected Oliab, son of Isamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be with him. And I have, not the school, not Auburn, not Alabama, not Troy, not Sanford, <laughs> not UAB. God said, I have. <laughs> God said, I have done this. I put it in you. I put in them the wisdom in the heart of every skilled artisan in order to make all that I have commanded you. God said, oh no. Pharaoh gets no credit for this. Satan gets no credit for this. This is me. This is the power of God who sits on high and looks low. No glory to Satan. God said, this is me. I have done this. I put this in. I have filled you up. This is why Paul says, don't get too high and mighty. And think because you went to that school, you can say, well, I'm smarter than you because I went to that school or this school. And therefore, I can come in with my head high. <laughs> my nose stuck up. <laughs> you got a degree from who knows whatever, Selma University. <laughs> Sardis University. I don't even have one in Sardis, but you get my point. So one can say, well, I got one from Hollywood University. Therefore, I can come in and say I am by what I am because of the university. Paul said, oh, no. <laughs> Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't look at what's behind your name, but look at what's on the inside of you. <laughs> Don't look at what's on your wall, but look at what's inside of you. I'm in you. <laughs> Not what's on the wall. Nothing wrong with the wall, but Paul said, just don't, don't get it twitched. Don't get, you know, don't get it twisted. So Paul says that God has distributed a measure of faith, which is a distribution of a gift to each of us. And therefore, we must operate in these gifts according to the measure of faith that God has given to us. Remember, I started off with faith. You cannot please God without faith. You can't please him without faith. Um, and so Paul says, back to Romans uh, 3, he says, God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Say each one. That's everybody, if you're a Christian here today. So this is why I gotta stop going fast with this Christianity. You know, some of you think 
Pastor Hardy used to say, hey, Lil, I keep saying, use your gifts. That's not me. I'm trying to get you to line up with the book. Life is short. It's a vapor. But you can get twisted, chase the world, and have to go before Jesus. And see, you, see, this is when the scriptures start to make sense. You took the gift and buried it in the ground. Matthew 25. So the church is not functioning like it should because you're taking your gift and not giving it to God's kingdom. In the church, in the community, the local assembly of the people that God tell us in Hebrews that we should not forsake the assembly together. How are you going to use your gift if you are at home watching it on Zoom? How are you going to do service to me? How are you going to prophesy? How are you going to lead? Somebody need to tell these churches, stop fearing Pharaoh and get back to me. That's a whole nother subject matter. But we must operate in these gifts according to the measure of faith that God has given to us. Therefore, each of us walks in the gift not with an overly exaggeration and inflated ego, but with sound and sober-mindedness because of the grace of God. We walk in that. But Paul says, instead think sensibly, walk in this with the humility that you've been given this gift from God by grace, cherish. Not to think too much that you are what you are because you work hard. Paul says, no, think sensibly, sound-minded, soberness, sound judgment, because God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Faith. Now, remember I said talent and spiritual gifts are not the same. Talents, you can go to school and learn how to do. Lots of people can sing. But then there's leading and worship that comes from the gift. Two different things. What's the opposite of faith? Fear, doubt. When you read the Bible, when God is calling people into the work of ministry from the old to the new, what's the first thing they always give before God? Before the, what do they say to him? Fearful. I can't do it. I don't talk right. From Gideon to Moses. So some of you might be asking, Pastor, we're going to get into that. Well, how do I know my gifts and where are they? I can give you one assessment that you can know. When it's a gift of God, you know within your own self, within your own ability, your own talents, that you can't do it. That's why you know it's a gift. That's why you know it's not of you. That is of God. Who's making his power known through you because you in yourself would never do it. 
you would never lead. You would never be that person. But when that gift is an operating operation, you're like, what in the world? That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you can only do that, as Paul says, as a measure of faith that God has, has, has given it to you. It's not like you've got the ability, the talent to do it. It's a faith. God is calling you. You say, God, I'm afraid. God, I can't do this. God, I don't think, I, how many times you hear people say, I can't do this. See, this is how we just really overlook the Bible. God said, I know. But greater is he, Holy Spirit, that's in you than he that is in the world. I know you can't do it. But see, we've been taught in Egypt how to live on talents. God said, I don't want talent. I want you to trust by faith and step into it. Some of you looking at me so it seems like from the time Pastor Hardy walks up here he's quiet he's not saying a whole lot and and I am I'm nervous if you guys could only see my insides you wouldn't not believe how nervous I am every single time I come up here you have no idea that I do not like public speaking is the hardest thing I have to do every time. I can only do it by faith. I cannot public speak without the Spirit of God. To myself, I would never public speak to anyone. Doesn't matter how big the room, how old they are, how young they are, I would never do it. So then why is it I'm doing it? What you're seeing on display is the gift that God has given to me that comes with a measure of faith. And what God is doing as we get into this, this is what God does in the church. The church is not something we do in our own strength. It's something who we are by the power of God in filling us with his spirit that we walk in that power of grace. But too many of us are trying to do the Christian life based on our own strength and our own works. This is why we never hear or think about God. Because God, you says, you can't please me no other way but by faith. And we want to see before we walk. And the God of the Bible will never allow that. He says, walk, trust, step out the boat and come and you will see. Why is that so important? Back to what Paul is saying. You will know when you get there and it's accomplishing, it's all of grace. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak. And I have to speak this week. If some of you want to come twice, at Church of the Advent, Tuesday at 12 and Wednesday at 12. And they told me to tell if you want to come and Spoke last week at Third Prayers. Got a bunch of cars from people. Man, your sermon, your words. I'm 
I'm still weeping. I'm still crying. This is what they're saying. And I always, by the grace of God, I get a lot of those. But those people don't know that what they see is a man nervous and shaking in his boots. Just like Moses. Lord, I can't speak. What they're seeing is the gift that God has deposited in me. I never went to school for it. I never went to school to learn how to preach. So I know it was a gift. I never went to school for it. I don't even read preaching books. It just came to me. I just knew it. I just knew it, God, when I was in church. I told Sandra and when I was standing in the back and God said, you're going to preach. No, I'm not. God, I can't talk. I started. You're going to preach. You're seeing the result. But when I get these letters, I can never go back and say, man, look how good I am. It's not me. It's Paul that says it's God's grace. And there was a measure given to me to preach God's word. And sometimes I'm amazed that God takes this twisted tongue and he does what he does with it. Here's what I tell you. We're a growing church. In order for us to function and be the kind of church that God wants to be in Fairfield, everyone must be functioning. This is why church attendance, being with the saints. You say, how do you know who your gifts are? God reveals it within the community. He didn't reveal my gift outside in Egypt when I got among the people of God. Then the gift made room. That's why it's all God. Can't take credit for it. God said, I know you got talent. I'm good with the talent. I'll use both. But here's the gift. Some of you are like, man, I don't want to be a public speaker. Oh, Lord, too late. Here's how I know when somebody's being called to ministry. They don't want to do it. If you want to be up here and that's your desire. Nah, I've seen that one before. You just want to sing so you can be up. But you feel the spirit of God tugging on you to be up here to sing and you are scared out of your mind. You are shaking in your boots. No, no, don't even talk to me. You're trying to stuff your ears with, with, with sticky glue. Because what God is saying, see, you keep saying, I can't do it. God says, here you go. I never said you could. That's why it's cares. <laughs> Moses was not a speaker on his own. Gideon was not a leader on his own. Peter was not a speaker on his own. He was a fisherman. How many fishermen you know can speak very, very well? But on the day of Pentecost, when the glory of God fell on him, how in the Pharisees and the teachers of the law say, who are these people? They are educated. They've been going to our schools and our rabbis' schools. 
Who are these people who are speaking with such clarity? <laughs> Pharisees, that guy never came to my class. Who is this guy, Peter? Quoting all these scriptures like that. So with that being said, God's building a church. And you say, Pastor, I'm scared. We all are. Everyone I know, every preacher I know that's in ministry for real, they don't sleep on Saturday nights. Some of them throw up. I used to, not anymore, but I don't sleep well. So I'm on the sleep machine now. Sandra's over there. She, no care in the world. She gone. <laughs> like last night, I'm up, 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know where Dion was. He was out. He comes on at 3 o'clock. I'm up. I can hear him coming in. Because I can't sleep. Because I know without, I can't do this in my strength. And when I do this, I go home. Sandra will tell you, I fall out like a rock. Because you know what? Because this, for the hour or so, God has carried me by his spirit. And I can feel it in my body. And you know it's not the work of you. It is the work of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your word. <clears throat> Lord, you're building a church here in Fairfield. And you're calling people from every side of town here in Fairfield for the work of your glory, for the manifold. And God, you've distributed gifts in us according to the measure of faith that we ought to walk in. And Father, I pray that throughout this week, Lord, as we get into some of what those gifts are, that you will begin to, by your spirit, begin to, mm, that's you. That's you. You're a leader. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. You're a leader. I've called you to serve. I've called you to exhort the congregation. I've called you to go up in front of the congregation and to exhort them to believe, to trust the promises of God and not lean on to our own understanding, but to trust in him who cannot fail. I pray, Father, by your spirit that you would begin to make these things known to us. And as people were, oh, I know I can't, I can't, I don't want to say, but I, Lord, I pray you won't give up on them, but you'll keep pressing them in and that their lives will come in alignment with your word and your truth, which is eternal. And so, Lord, we thank you right now for these things and what you're doing. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. Let's receive the benediction. I'm going to read it from Jude. Here we go. I don't like that translation. King James Version. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. You are dismissed.